Sustainability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Well, now that the holiday season is over, tis the season for the SEER Review. Today's podcast, we're speaking with Diane Dudley, Hal Steinberg, and Ann Eberts about the SEER Review process, where it originated from, and how you can get involved as well. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the AGA podcast. Today we'll be speaking about the SEER program, and we have three guests today, uh, Diane Dudley, um, of course our CEO, Anne, and Hal Steinberg are here. So why don't we start off with uh, Diane to introduce yourself, please. Thanks. Um, I'm Diane Dudley. I am the chair of the SEER review board for AGA, and in my private life, I am the partner in charge of federal audits at KPMG. Hey, good morning. This is Ann Eberts. Um, I'm the AGA's Chief Executive Officer and happy to be here this morning to, to chat with you all about a very important program. Hi, I'm Hal Steinberg. Uh, I'm here because I guess I was present at the birth of the SEER program. Uh, previous to that, I was the uh, controller, deputy controller at uh, the Office of Management and Budget, and I'm a retired partner from KPMG. Okay, well, thanks everybody for being here. Uh, I think I wanted to start off with just a little history of the SEER. You know, why did this come about? and What were the origins? Yeah, I can tell you that, uh, Paul. Uh, it was back in 1996 when the uh, government, uh, uh, the uh, federal agencies were required for the first time to uh, prepare audited financial statements. And uh, I had just retired from OMB, and uh, but I still felt that uh, these reports were going to be really what would drive the uh, improvement of financial management within the agencies. And we wanted to ha- the agencies to have uh, complete, informative, and uh, valuable reports. And I was talking about that with John Hummel, who we'll hear about a little bit later. He was a partner at KPMG at that time. And uh, together we thought about starting a program or having a program get started where the agencies would submit their reports to an independent group that would review the reports and recommend how the reports could be made better. So we took that idea to the AGA Mm -hmm. and uh, AGA was very excited about the idea. They thought that that was exactly the kind of thing that they do to improve government accountability. And uh, together then we took it to the uh, OMB and to the CFO Council, and they were very um, <clears throat> enthusiastic about the idea. There was a few uh, CFOs at that time who had been CFOs at local governments, and in the local governments they have the uh, GFOA Certificate of uh, Excellence uh, program, and they thought this would be very similar, and uh, so they said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So the first year we developed a set of guidelines to uh, Uh, guide the reviews, uh, what it is that we're looking for. And we asked six agencies to uh, volunteer, submit their reports. We would put together a team of five people. I would be on each one of the teams, and we would develop the recommendations. There were no awards that first year because really we were just getting started. And uh, we gave the agencies the recommendations. They were very uh, pleased with getting them. They saw how they can improve the reports, and they said, please continue the program. 
So the next year was about 1997, I think. Mm -hmm. They had about five or so agencies submit their reports for a review. Um, we um, gave the recommendations and we identified two of the reports. Uh, uh, Social Security Administration, and I believe the second was the National Science Foundation. And uh, we said these reports uh, deserve to get the certificate. Uh, and we called it the Certificate of Excellence in Accountability Reporting. And that was the start of the program. What happened is each year more agencies decided to participate, and it has just grown over the last 20 years or so until up to now about 24 agencies submit their reports for review. Wow. And, and you said you had guidelines from the beginning, so you kind of start off with, obviously, A136 has always been a big piece of that, correct? But the, just wondering, you know, what other guidelines, you know, where did you come up with some of those original guidelines? Well, um, I might answer that one, Paul. Yeah. Um, A136 definitely covers the uh, form and content of the financial the statements financial themselves. Right. Um, but you also have to look at other guidelines that OMB issues, like OMB Circular A11, mm -hmm. right, um, right. is is quite um, prominent, part. prominently featured in our guidelines. Right, and the audit bulletin too. Absolutely, is, uh, the audit bulletin, um, which is updated generally every right. year. Mm -hmm. So um, all of the guidelines are founded in the requirements, um, and then over time we've added some best practice. Um, items that we look for to make the reports more readable and, and user-friendly. Right, absolutely. And the guidelines uh, differentiate between those that are based upon OMB requirements and those that we feel are best practices. Right, okay. Well, along those lines, so what would you say are, are the primary benefits an, an agency will, will receive by submitting their, their report for your review? Well, the major benefit is that they get five sets of eyeballs uh, <laughs> looking at those reports and giving them recommendations on how those reports can become more readable, more informative, more transparent, uh, just a better document to tell the agency stories and demonstrate its accountability. Um, another one of the benefits for the agencies is those individuals that prepare the reports, they work pretty darn hard, particularly this time of year, in order to get them out by November 15th. And there's not much recognition uh, for those folks, but this program uh, recognizes that effort that they put in. And uh, not only do we give the awards to the ones that uh, uh, meet that standard of excellence, but in the spring of each year, we have a black tie dinner that I guess people call the Academy Awards of uh, <laughs> Federal Government Financial Accountability Reporting. And uh, the people come to that and they are pumped up to get the recognition uh, for the work that they've done. So that's another big benefit is recognition for uh, uh, hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to expand on the, the quality of the comments that federal agencies review or that re they receive from this program. Um, it, it is extremely beneficial to get these five independent reviewers to spend as much as 24 to 40 hours each in reviewing the PARs or the AFRs that are prepared. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in terms of consulting hours, an agency that participates is going to receive up to 200 hours of consulting uh, right. in 
basically reviewing uh, and critiquing the AFRs and the PARs. And as a result, every agency that participates reviews, uh, receives many comments on the report. And right. that shouldn't be reviewed or re, uh, considered a negative. It's the benefit of participation. So you're going to get comments that an agency can definitely use in the following year to make improvements to their reports. Right. And I can tell you that over the years, because we've been doing these for 20 years, and I've been looking at them for 20 years, these reports have improved immeasurably. They've become more concise. Uh, they've become more focused. They tell a better story. They give you a much better understanding of not only what the agency has accomplished, but how well it is being managed. Uh, and now they're becoming interactive. You can read these reports online and get information. I remember one day I was reading a report, I think it was the Department of Homeland Services, and they were talking about how you can register for the uh, uh, TSA Pre. And I put my uh, cursor on that, and the <laughs> next thing I know, I had the application for TSA Pre, and I filled it out. No, absolutely. I can attest because I've, I've worked with some agencies on pre preparing PARs and we get those seer comments are like, okay, what happened this year? What, you know, what we do good? What do we, what do we need to improve? And they take it very seriously and they make efforts to, to improve those areas, you know, and, 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 you know, often to revamp the ways that they say they do certain areas, certain sections. I mean, I think they really do take that feedback very uh, seriously. It's been, it's been great. And one of the things that's happened during the last uh, 20 years is that from time to time an agency said, we've got your comments, but we'd like to talk to you about them and get a better understanding mm -hmm. of what uh, you intend. And so we will meet with them uh, sometime during the summer. Uh, usually they'll have about four or five people in a room that prepare the report, and we go through uh, most of the comments and explain what they need to do. And sure enough, when you get the report the next year, they've made the improvements. Right. Well, so that's from, from the applicant side, from the agency side. Now, I, I'm sure there's also some benefits from actually being a SEER reviewer. You know, what would you say as far as to be a reviewer? Ab absolutely. Um, like I mentioned earlier, every um, agency that participates has five reviewers looking at their reports. So you can imagine if you've got 25 submissions, you need 125 reviewers hmm. uh, for this program. And so there's a lot of opportunity to be a SEER reviewer, and there are tremendous benefits from that. Um, first of all, it's very educational because right. as you go through the guidelines and you're reviewing a report, you become very familiar with those OMB requirements um, on what is required to be included in the report. Mm -hmm. um, it is also a chance to really do a deep dive into another agency's report that you don't have any uh, familiarity with um, and because of that you're going to learn some best practices to see how another agency um, prepares its AFR or PAR and um, speaking of best practices not only do you learn what that particular agency that you're reviewing is doing but um, you will get an opportunity to learn what the best practices were for all of those agency submissions for the year right. because AGA puts together a best practice summary. Mm. Um, so those reviewers and the agencies that participate um, get that additional benefit of learning all the best practices um, that mm. arose out of that year. Um, and finally, 
Um, there is a training benefit because reviewers do um, get the opportunity to get two CPE training hours uh, from being a reviewer and up to two additional hours by being a reviewer because there's um, a meeting of the five reviewers for a particular agency that that, um, that meeting is held here at AGA's headquarters and um, it's a very interactive uh, discussion with a lead reviewer and that uh, CPE is awarded for, for the time that the reviewer attends uh, that training. Right. And then finally, <laughs> all of the reviewers are invited to that black tie dinner oh, that's right. yes. that Hal mentioned earlier. So that's um, a great benefit as well. Can I add to that? Having, um, so having been a SEER reviewer uh, many years ago, and I'm not an accountant, so I mean there are account, you know, the, there's a mixture of skills on each team that that you know how and the and folks put pulled together they would take a look at the backgrounds of the the people that have been that have put their names in the hat to you know desire to be a SEER reviewer we make sure that there's independence so somebody who may have been on the development of that of that submission or maybe they're an auditor or they are doing you know providing services to that office we make sure that they are not on that you know those specific teams so we make sure that there's total independence um, but there's an awful lot of learning. I mean, we, the, as a SEER reviewer, you know, Diane mentioned how many hours you put in. You also, so you're thinking independently, looking at what you read, what you understand, and what you're pulling, you know, what, what you're gathering and garnering from the information in the report, looking at the guidelines. But I think the real value comes when you come together as a team. Mm -hmm. And you realize that hey, I sit, I provided a, a comment and it didn't make it didn't it didn't make it into the the list or maybe it's not going to make it into the report and you learn why it didn't and you learn from others about okay well that comment is either actually either superseded by one that's more complete so you learn from each other right and you also get to network you meet right. people that you wouldn't normally right. be sitting mm -hmm. around a table talking about mm -hmm. a financial report with. So there, I think there are a lot of great benefits. That there absolutely are. And one thing I didn't mention is um, when a reviewer is reviewing a report, they do it independently. Mm -hmm. So they do not know who the other five reviewers the team are, are. Right. until you come together um, and consolidate all of your comments. And, and that is a real eye-opening experience because each of the members brings a different perspective. Generally, you have somebody from the CFO's office, mm -hmm. somebody from the Office of Inspector General's office, someone from the Budget or Performance office, um, maybe a CPA, mm -hmm. independent CPA, or maybe somebody from academia. And everyone has their own perspectives as to what they're looking for in the report. And it is eye-opening. And very often we don't have duplicative comments. The reviewers all come with a different mm -hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. and. What was eye-opening to me is, of course, as a CPA, I'm very focused on the financial statements, and I would learn so much from talking to the budget and the performance folks about what they saw in the report, mm -hmm. and they were things that I just didn't even pick up on. So it's right. it's a great program. Absolutely. And I would just throw my two cents. I mean, I've, I've written and I've reviewed, and what I really got out of reviewing was you know, sitting in the shoes of somebody actually reading what I wrote, for example, you know, thinking of it that way and, and saying, oh my, you know, my goodness, this is, you know, I should really think about how I'm writing this because it's just not user-friendly or people aren't going to pick up on this or it really helps you improve your writing too. 
you know, if you're actually writing reports. And Very some true. of the reviewers are also preparers in their own agency. Exactly. So to the extent that they have an opportunity to do a deep dive on an agency report that's not their own, they can pick up best practices and say, wow, I really like how these, these tables were formatted or how they, you know, this kind of information was conveyed. It's like, wow, maybe we can do that back in my organization. So they also learn something they can take back. Uh, so maybe next time they can, you know, intertwine that into the report that they're producing for their own organization. Absolutely. Well, so let's discuss a little bit about um, who who actually participates, who submits uh, their AFRs and PARs. Um, so it's not just CFO Act agencies, right? So uh, kind of who 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 submits? Um, have you you know over the years has that increased? What what trends have you seen, and what agencies actually submit their PARs? So so I, I would say there are probably. 15 or so that are repeat, I don't want to say repeat customers, <laughs> repeat participants right. each year. You know, Hal mentioned, you know, Social Security and NSF and, you know, so we have some organizations that have been kind of mainstays to the program. Mm -hmm. Folks like Department of State, Patent and Trade Office, uh, Department of Commerce. I mean, we've got some other organizations as well. Architect of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. um, so we're getting small and large agencies, and what we've been doing, because with this administration, you've got a lot of new CFOs that, in, that are in organizations, and they may not know much about or anything about this year program. So there are a couple things that we at the AGA office do. We've done some outreach with and through the CFO Council, mm -hmm. and providing them information that they can distribute to all the CFOs. Um, we've also done some independent um, outreach to CFOs to get them to participate. Uh, some organizations, again, they don't know about the program. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, in the indoctrination of a brand new CFO, I don't think SEER is discussed. I would like to be. <laughs> well, it a, should be. I know. <laughs> I, would, I would like to be a part of that uh, indoctrination and the initiation into that office. But um, but we've got a lot of people too that, um, in if their offices have participated in the past, or you have people that have been in one agency and move to another agency, hopefully there's some people that bubble up and say, you know, mm -hmm. the SEER program has been worthwhile, the agency I came from, maybe it'll be worthwhile here as well. So we've done a lot of outreach. Um, I think two years ago, we had 26 agencies, right, yeah. Hal? And that right. was the highest right. number. Um, now, to participate, you need to have a clean or an unmodified opinion right. to be able to well, uh, wait, 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 yeah. I didn't <laughs> to receive the award. There you go. Right. But to participate, again, there's a lot of value um, in having, an, as Diane was describing, an extra set of eyes take a look at, or five extra sets of eyes right. take a look and do a critical review of the report and make recommendations. So we continue to, to do outreach. Um, I've also had... Some CFOs tell me, for instance, like Health and Human Services, Sheila Conley has been a big supporter of, of the, the SEER program, and she's like, if somebody needs to you know, hear from me, and you know, if they need initial uh, mm -hmm. discussion about why it's of a value to participate, then, you know. So I've had people offer up to, to talk to other CFOs and to really share with them the benefit to their team and to their, their reporting. So one of the things I might emphasize is we have had participants in the SEER program that are from all the branches of government. Mm -hmm. So not just the executive branch, we've had legislative and we've had defense. In fact, we've, we've had, had a little bit of interest uh, in the, from the intelligence agencies as well. Um, 
And it, it definitely is not restricted to right. the CFO Act agencies. We have a lot of component agencies right. who issue separate PARs or AFRs that participate as well. So it is open to all of those. Like FAA. Exactly. Yeah. And Patent and Trademark Office, right. Right. which is a component of commerce. So um, it's not restricted to the cabinet-level agencies right. for sure. Um, and we've had agencies participate when they have had a disclaimer of opinion or mm -hmm. a qualified or a modified opinion, when they know they're on a path to mm -hmm. a clean opinion and they really value the recommendations that come out of the program. Right. And one other thing that I thought was interesting is many of the agencies that initially submitted their PARs and AFRs 20 years ago are still participating today Absolutely. and they participated every year which is an indication that they continue to believe that they're receiving valuable feedback and that there's always more that they can do to improve their reports. Yeah, in fact, uh, we've had agencies participate for, as Diane indicated, for 20 years, and the number of pages of comments, recommendations they get is the same as a brand new agency mm -hmm. because as they add things to their report to make them better, we see ways in which they can make them even better. So um, the, the number of comments they get, the recommendations they get, uh, is continues to be of value no matter how long they've been in the program. Right, and of course there's new requirements every year pretty much, right? Absolutely. I mean, things yeah. are constantly yeah. evolving. So speaking of improvement, um, since Hal, you, you, you've seen so many reports over the years, you know, what would you say are some things that you would really recommend to help folks improve, uh, improve their, their reports. Well, um, we've added an element this year uh, to recognize that these reports can be far more than a compliance effort. Uh, we think the, the real value of the financial management function within an agency is not just to uh, keep the book, so to speak. We think the value is to uh, provide information to senior management of the agency to help the agency, help them uh, uh, improve the program, deliver their services to the American people. So we have added an, uh, to the CFO, uh, SEER program this year the SEER with Excellence uh, Award. And <clears throat> those agencies that can, through their PAR or AFR, show how financial management has improved the agency, how they've contributed to that improvement, uh, will be considered for the SEER with Excellence Award. Now you may say, well, how does the agency's financial management uh, improve the agency? Well, uh, they're looking at data all the time. Uh, maybe they've applied some predictive data analytics to uh, be able to show things that can happen and uh, make them happen better. Or enterprise risk management. Uh, which is within the CFO office in many agencies, how they've applied enterprise risk management to identify and mitigate those risks, or um, maybe to get better integration between the uh, uh, performance information measures that they're producing for the uh, GPRA and financial management so that they can deliver more program for the dollars. If they can show that within their uh, AFRs or PARs, then it's likely that they will uh, be awarded the SEER with distinction. 
Right, Hal, I think we're going to um, call that the value-added distinction right. and add that to the certificate yeah. for those agencies that go above and beyond right. in that area. Oh, and uh, I noticed in the application you mentioned that uh, agencies can include information beyond what's in the PAR. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's good. Well, that's good. Yeah, because I know a lot of things that are happening, you know, getting so much in there in that report by that deadline is a lot of work to do, and there's a lot more things agencies are doing be able to demonstrate everything that go towards this distinction. That's great. So let me uh, move along to another question here. I was curious about, um, you know, how have you seen that that uh, PARs have changed as, as the things become more digital, as that sort of the digital age, um, you know, and people don't print out reports as much as they used to. You know, what kind of things have you seen changing in, in how folks do their PARs these days more, you know? Well, they've certainly changed a lot over the last 20 years. Um, one thing that I will say is that the guidelines that AGA uses in this program um, are really developed the same way that they have been from the beginning. They are founded in the requirements. Mm -hmm. um, although, as I mentioned earlier, we have added some guidelines or recommendations along the, the way to make the reports uh, more useful, but they're, they're founded in the requirements. The, um, the way an agency produces their reports, that, that has changed over the years. Uh, 20 years ago, they were all very hard copy, very, very um, text. Um, uh, we would see some reports that were 400 pages long, let's say. Um, I mean, in the beginning, they were all the performance and accountability reports, so they included the performance section. Right. So uh, very text-heavy, lengthy documents, uh, somewhat difficult to review and digest. Mm -hmm. Um, what we find now is, um, particularly with the uh, online um, capabilities that, that uh, we have today, many agencies do not print their PARs or AFRs now at all. Right. Um, they are really an online version of the document. Um, I will say that the reviewers still print out the whole document to make sure that it's readable, um, and the reviewers are reviewing the hard copy documents as well as looking at the online versions. Mm -hmm. But there, um, there are a lot of unique things that agencies can do now uh, with the online versions. What we find is a lot of links mm -hmm. to other, um, other parts of the agency on their, on their website. Uh, we see um, a lot of uh, videos, let's right. say. So interactive sorts of text. Mm -hmm. um, Almost like commercials. Yes, I mean, li little vignettes yeah, or, you know, you get a lot more um, insight into an agency by right. uh, the interactive nature of some of these reports. Mm -hmm. And that makes them a lot more interesting. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope we can drive people to, to the online versions so that they can really get good feels for what's going on at these agencies. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and I think all the reviewers have too, is there's less duplication throughout the report. Mm -hmm. So... They've, they've kind of cleaned it up so it's not like each section I'm meeting the requirements for this section I mean so it, it leverages and references other sections in the report mm -hmm. but one of the things that I always amazes me is some of I mean some of these are looking like annual reports from major companies sure I mean so there's there's graphics there's pictures they try to make it interesting to review and look mm -hmm. at uh, like the annual report, it, you know, it tells a story of the agency, and that to me is a really important piece of how does it, how does all this great, very detailed information hang together 
to give confidence to the American public that this is what we're supposed to be doing. Here's our mission. Here's what we're working on. Here's how much money we've spent. Here's some challenges that are still ongoing. Uh, here's where we're going to be focusing our energies and our people and our talents and our technologies. So it's 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 really fascinating. I mean, it it a great um, lesson learned from anybody, frankly, in high school. If you want to understand, or college, if you want to understand how our government works, pick up any one of these reports, and it's incredible information. Absolutely. No, and I think you've kind of pointed out some of the ways that the reports have changed and you know, the innovations folks have brought in their videos and links. And I, mean, I think just constantly trying to find ways to, to make it more, you know, relevant to the reader. So um, so kind of another subtopic here. I know you also provide an award for, uh, for, for the CCRs, the Citizen Centrics, and some of the, the short the executive summary kind of versions of the reports. Um, is that something that you all have considered? I know you did the black tie event for for uh, the CR, have you thought about something like that at some point for CCRs? Oh, for the citizen-centric report, no, we have not because we have agencies, um, state, local uh, governments from across the country participate in that mm -hmm. pro program. Uh, we review probably 60 plus uh, a year. We right. post all of those at least for the last three years on our website so people can see, um, you know, and learn from others about how they're telling the story of their organization in four pages. Uh, we also have some of the agencies that participate in the SEER review um, do us, you know, prepare a CCR. Mm -hmm. um, Homeland Security is one. Um, obviously, a, a very complex organization, and, and frankly, they cheat a little bit and do a, in more than four pages, but that's okay <laughs> uh, because they have a lot to say. And um, and you also have some organizations like uh, I think a couple of years ago, it was. Uh, uh, Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, put together their submission for the SEER program. They did a, a summary performance and financial information and then a four-page citizen-centric report. And it was a cohesive family of documents. Yeah. I mean, you could look at one and then it, it you know, it was, it was designed the same, same kind of graphics. It, I mean, it looked like a family of documents that they use and post on their, on their uh, websites. Now, for those organizations that do to a citizen-centric report. To me, not only should either the PAR or the AFR be on the about page on a website for mm -hmm. an agency mm -hmm. because it really does tell the story of the mission and how what money they're spending and what they're accomplishing. The CCR should be on the about sure. pull down. In many cases, mm -hmm. I think some of these reports that are so meaningful and have so much great information are buried nested way down in, you know, under the CFO, under reports, under, you know, way, um, buried into the website and so the, your typical person is not going to be able to find them. Right. Um, even those of us around the table here that know what we're looking for and where to find it, sometimes we still struggle to right, find it. Right, right. Although Google so, is amazing. Some, you put something it in is, Google, it can pop right up. <laughs> that's true. Um, but it's, and we also get a lot of uh, citizen-centric reports from our chapters and we have right. a government case challenge which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we're also trying to get colleges in, invested in how do you leverage all this publicly available data and important data to tell the story of an organization for the general public. Right. But I'm guessing that um, doing a black tie dinner just would not be cost effective, effective <laughs> yeah. um, given the fact that this is happening all over the United the States. Right. And the, the logistics yeah. in, you know, flights and whatnot right. to get to D.C., it's just 
probably not practical. But we do we do award them this the certificate of excellence, mm -hmm. and they put in many cases they'll put that seal on their CCRs right. for the next year, mm -hmm. so they recognize or they they designate the fact that they've received a, an award in the past. Okay, well, so just really one more question for uh, I think <laughs> let's let's talk to Hal here since uh, you've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, have you ever thought about? Kind of passing the baton, or who, who, or you know, who else is going to read all these reports and kind of help, you know, give this, you know, leadership to everybody. I think Ann may be the better one to answer that. She's the one so, so out. I'll tell you that that Hal's not passing the baton; he's sharing the baton. Ah, okay. so let's just try to make that clear right now. All so, right. so we have had over the past couple of years, uh, Ken Winter, who's a former CFO of a, a NASA site, um, has participated, and he's also a an instructor in government financial management. So Ken has been working with us for the last, this will be his third year in the program. John Hummel, who um, Hal mentioned earlier, a former KPMG partner, also has worked in the state and local government, also has a, you know, so a good perspective of, um, you know, reviewing this kind of information. And he was at the forefront at the very beginning you know, when the SEER program came into effect and, and helped work on the guidelines. So he has, again, a great history with the program. And frankly, we, you know, if there are other folks that have, again, we need people with a really broad background, broad and deep experience mm -hmm. in this area that can really be the expert set of eyes to coordinate with the other reviewers on each team to pull out the most salient comments, the most um, written in a way that's impactful, with constructive criticism, not just criticism, right? right so exactly, helping right. people to understand why, not only what could be improved, but why and how it could benefit the rest of the report. And that doesn't come from somebody with, you know, four or five years experience. It comes from somebody, with, you know, people with a wealth of knowledge and experience within government. So, you know, if, if people are interested, certainly, you know, reach out to me and be right. happy to happy to hear from you. And, but, um, you know, having, Folks like Hal and Ken and, and John Hummel are, are just invaluable, I think, to the program and to the continuity and the quality of the program. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for participating today. And uh, we're at the end of SEER season here, so I'm sure you'll be getting a whole bunch of uh, reports to review soon. It should be fun. <laughs> so thanks again, and uh, appreciate everybody coming today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully that inspired you to go out and become a SEER reviewer. Definitely need your help. Uh, this year is a little late. It's under, already underway, but uh, come the end of next year, hopefully you'll consider becoming a reviewer. You can learn a lot, and it's a really beneficial experience for everybody. And looking forward to a lot of interesting podcasts this year, so I hope you will join us. And of course, as always, you can go to our website and you can see other podcasts available. And if you're interested in participating in the SEER program, also AGA website, go under our standards and guidance and you'll find the Certificate of Excellence in Accountability Reporting. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.